just like uh, you make sun shine in when a window is opened, would you please uh, let sun shine in uh, to our hearts and our lives now? Uh, we need your brilliance, we need your brightness, we, we need your freedom, Lord. Uh, so work in us, we pray, yeah, even through this word, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Isaiah is an ancient book and uh, it's a book in the Bible. We've been spending uh, some, quite some time travelling through the book of Isaiah. We come this morning to that part of Isaiah that Jesus especially identifies himself with. He, he actually takes this verse uh, from this ancient book, 700 years before he was born, and he takes it uh, upon himself. You might know that Jesus himself um, grew up as a young man and it came to a point where he was baptised. He was actually baptised uh, in the River Jordan and the Spirit of God descends on him very powerfully. Almost straight away he is led into the wilderness and he is tempted by, by the devil. The devil comes and tempts him. He returns to Galilee, uh, where, where, which is his, kind of his home province, and he actually goes to his hometown, yeah, the town of Nazareth, and he walks actually into a synagogue. We've got churches here, but in, in amongst the Jews at that time, they had synagogues. And so he walks into the synagogue, and they actually hand him a book in this synagogue. Right at the beginning of his ministry... And it says in Luke chapter 4 that he stood up to read and, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So this book that we've been going through, this whole, they didn't have books, they had a scroll. had this scroll that he unrolled it and he actually unrolled it and he found the place of Isaiah 61 where it was written. And it's slightly different in Luke 4, but the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And it says that he rolled up the scroll, he handed the scroll back to the attendant in the synagogue and the eyes of everyone were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This ancient, ancient scripture, 700 years before he was born, people have been waiting and waiting and waiting for it to be fulfilled. And he says, in your hearing, right now, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. If you were a builder and you went to Sydney Council and you said to, uh, and the, you said to the council, I want to build this great, great skyscraper, the council will say to you, well, where's your plans? What exactly are you going to do? We, we really want to know what you're going to build. What are you going to achieve? What, what are you going to do? Spread it out before us. 
And in a similar way, if you had to ask Christ when he came to the earth, what, what are you going to do, Jesus? You've come, you've come from heaven. You've come and living as a human being, as a man on this earth. What exactly, Jesus, are you going to do? And this is in his own words. It's his setting out his manifesto, what, what, what he's going to accomplish on the earth. Right before he does anything else, he reads uh, from Isaiah 61. And it's his own description. And he says, when you read this, that sets out what I'm going to do. He says in verse 1, he says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That word sovereign, you might have heard it before, it means that if you're the, if you're the sovereign king over a nation, let's just pretend for a moment you're the sovereign king over a nation, what, what that means is that you don't have to ask anyone permission to do anything. You, you make the decisions, you've got the power to, to, to carry them out, you are possessing supreme authority and ultimate power. And this is an amazing statement when this when this Jesus walks into a synagogue with everyone's eyes fastened on him and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. It reminds me in those movies, you know in the movies where some great darkness is, is facing the people and then the hero steps forward and a beam of light comes and, and, and beams down on the hero and that they're empowered for the task that they've got in front of them to conquer the darkness. It's, it's like that, except that's fiction and this is reality. This is Christ saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is beaming down on me. The sovereign Lord is the one who created all the galaxies, created all the universe, created all time and all space. And he's saying the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Do you know when the Israelites, God's people, were in slavery, they were in slavery to another nation, to Egypt, and they were in bitter slavery and they couldn't get out of the slavery. It was like someone had their foot on their necks and they just could not get out a whole people in slavery. And God called Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to lead them out of slavery. And, and there was plagues that came, all sorts of plagues that come, and at last, the last plague, the, 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 the plague of the death of the firstborn, and the Israelites put blood on their doorposts so that when the angel of death came over, the angel of death passed over. And it, it brought this people out of slavery and the sea actually opened and they walked through into freedom. That's the sovereign God. No one else could. They couldn't free themselves. They could not do it themselves. They had no capacity to say, oh, we're just going to get ourselves out of this. They, they could not do it. But the sovereign Lord, because he's sovereign, because he has all power and all might, he takes the people and he says, I'm bringing you into freedom. And now Jesus is in this synagogue saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to do God's work. And I'm a greater than Moses. 
because the freedom that I'm going to accomplish and I'm going to lead, in, lead people out of is a, sle- a freedom out of sin and out of darkness and out of prison and I'm going to lead the whole world into freedom. I'm greater than Moses. What was the work that What was this work then that he was going to do? And it's set out here in Isaiah 61. Amazing, this. Amazing. To proclaim good news to the poor. To the poor. The sovereign God in all power and glory looks down and he cares for the poor. And when you think about the poor, this shouldn't, you shouldn't think just of people with, without much money. You should think of all those that are oppressed, all those that are downtrodden, all those that are in terrible distress and in trouble. He, he does not come to the rich. He's not coming to the rich and those people that are in control of their lives. <laughs> He's not coming to those that feel like they've got everything under control and are comfortable. He's coming to those that are in deep trouble and know that they're in deep trouble, whose lives are broken, perhaps so broken that they feel like they cannot go on anymore. Maybe he's... Maybe you are someone this morning that feels like there's no hope. And I can't go on. You feel like my life is just ashes and despair. And Jesus says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to you, to the poor, to the broken, to the needy. Maybe you say, well, I'm not very impressed by that because... That's proclaiming, that's preaching. What, what good's that going to do? I need someone to actually do something for me. But you see, when the sovereign Lord, in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke and he said, let there be light, and there was light. His words carry their own power to accomplish what they say. And so when the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on Christ, he's saying, and I'm proclaiming good news to the poor, I'm, I'm giving it, I'm bringing it to pass, I'm bringing hope to that which is hopeless. He says that he has sent me. God has sent me. Jesus is saying, I'm not here on my own behalf. I'm commissioned by God. He has, he has sent me to accomplish something. And he gives us several pictures here of what he's going to accomplish. Each of them quite beautiful pictures. One of them is that are to bind up the brokenhearted. One of them is to bring freedom for the captives and release for those that are in prison. Everyone that's broke, bro- broken and everyone that's in prison and everyone that's in hardship, I, I, I wanna tr- I'm going to bring transformation. I'm going to reverse all the brokenness. I'm going to restore. That's what he's wanting to do. Let's look at the first one of them. He says, he has sent me, God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Is there anyone here? 
uh, brokenhearted this morning. Maybe a, a heart totally broken. And there is weeping in your hearts and sorrow and deepest disappointment. Just to picture this, a heart that is broken and wounded and oozing with pain and sorrow. That, that word brokenhearted, as I understand it, the commentators tell me in Hebrew that it means every kind of human breakdown. Every kind of human breakdown. A sense of failure. And Jesus is saying, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. There's, there's people in this room that terrible things have happened to you. Terrible. Devastation. And you're lonely and you're isolated. And Jesus says, I have come to you very personally, very intentionally, to reach down and to touch your lives, to bandage your broken heart. I've come with the spirit of the sovereign Lord on me for you, all the way down, all the way down. It says that he's come to proclaim freedom for the captives. We in our world think of ourselves, um, thing, perhaps one of the things that we prize most highly is freedom. But Jesus looks at this world and he sees captives. He just sees captives. You imagine a dark castle and the walls are so high that you can hardly even imagine how high they are and no one could ever climb over them and you can never get out. And that's the way Jesus imagines this world. is like we are captives. Um, you, you can walk around on the inside, sure, but you can, you, you're locked in. And Jesus says, I've come to proclaim freedom. And in my words, to smash the doors of that dark castle. In fact, Jesus, when, when, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were against him and, and accusing him of being a devil, basically, he, he says, can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man and then he plunders his house? So this is the picture. Jesus says, this is the world in my vision is that this world is like this, belongs to the, the devil, to Satan, and it's his house, and it's his, he's a strong man. But I have come to tie him up, <laughs> to overcome him, and I'm going to rip out people out of his house and bring them into freedom. I know people in our world, in our world, in Wagga, your friends and neighbours, maybe many of you think like this, that we're free. You say, we're free thinkers, we think whatever we like. You say, we're free, we believe in free love, I do whatever I like. We're free from any pressures of society, we can do whatever we like. We, we, we marry whoever we like, we're whatever gender we like, we, we, we become whatever we, we like, and we're free. We're just so free, and that's the world. We're just free. 
And it's you religious types that you're all bound up in all your um, trappings of religion and we're free from that. We're free to travel wherever we like. We're free to believe whatever we want. We're free from all social constraints. We are free. My new iPhone makes me free. I'm just free. But Jesus looks at this world and he says, I see captives, just captives. I see a world captive. Captive to fear. Fear of what people think of me. What will people think of me? Fear of the past, what I've done. The, th- the things that I've done. Fear of our minds. Fear of afraid of death. Just afraid. Terrified of death. And, and, and captive to alcoholism. Terrible captive. Or tap captive to workaholism. Or captive to money. Oh yeah, we live in the biggest house in the whole place. And Jesus says, I see you terribly captive. Or captive to drugs. Or captive to pornography. Or captive to my new gadget that I've just got to have this gadget. And I just cannot do without this gadget. And ultimately, we're captive to sin. Jesus pronounces that this is a world that we are captive to sin. And Jesus says, I've come to proclaim freedom. He says, freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. He says, this world is in prison. Terrible, terrible prison. Oh, they think they're so free. They think they're free to do this thing and that thing and do whatever they like and go wherever they like. And Jesus says they're in a horrible, dark prison. And he, Jesus, is the only one who can do it. Adam and Eve couldn't do it. They, they faced the force of darkness and they fell captive. Noah couldn't do it. He fell. Moses couldn't do it. Abraham couldn't do it. David couldn't do it. No one in the Old Testament could do it. But now Jesus is saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because I will proclaim freedom for the captives and sight for the blind, release from darkness from the prisoners. I will do it. No one else in all of history could ever do it. Jesus says, I will do it. How does he do it? Three ways. Probably more than three ways, but I'm just going to mention three. One in the wilderness, one in his life, and one in his death. In the wilderness, Jesus was baptized, received the Holy Spirit, and he was drawn out into the wilderness, and the devil came to him. The devil had come to Adam and Eve and they'd fallen total captive to him. They'd believed the temptation. Now Jesus is drawn out to the wilderness, and Satan comes to him. Satan doesn't send an emissary or another little demon or whatever. Satan comes himself. 
and he's full of self-confidence because he believes he's going to drag this son of God now into captivity as well. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, I know you've been fasting for 40 days. See these stones here. Why don't you just turn, if you're the son of God, why not just turn them into bread? Or, or, or Jesus quotes the word of God to him and says, man shall not live by um, bread alone, but by from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Or, or Satan says, okay, so get, jump up on this temple here and throw yourself down. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, it says in the Bible that the angels will bear you up. Now, just, just prove it. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm not doing that. And so Satan comes to him and says, well, I'll tell you what. All you've got to do is just worship me. Just a little for a minute. Just, just worship me for a bit. And I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just worship me. And Jesus says, away from me, Satan. And, and rebuts him and, and repels him every time by quoting the word of God. In the wilderness... Jesus repels Satan. But secondly, Jesus conquers in life. Because you read, you open the Bible and you begin to read. What will you see? You will see him coming across someone that's filled with demons and with one word, he he cast a legion of demons out just with one word. And and he sees the sick and he raises the sick to life and he sees the dead and he raises them to life and he stills the storm and everything that is dysfunction and danger and hardship, he's overcoming because he's saying, I'm reversing things, I'm transforming, I'm coming, I'm coming to change all that's broken in this world. In the wilderness and in life, but supremely, Supremely, and lastly, in his death. Because Satan couldn't capture him, he couldn't kill him, and so he works in the hearts and the minds of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they had it in their hearts to kill him. And it had the whole crowd, like a huge mob, just crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And so they turned him over and had him nailed to a cross to destroy him. And Satan is rejoicing and laughing that at last the son of God, the heir to the throne, the the, the mighty one of heaven is just destroyed. But they didn't know that in his death he became the sacrifice that breaks the power of death. And breaks the power of sin over humankind. In Colossians chapter 2, it says that Jesus disarmed the powers and authority and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in a cross. Do you imagine imagine a fight? (laughs) Just a fight. Any fight. And the victor triumphs over them. And the way that Colossians says is that when Jesus died on the cross, it was a triumph. He conquered all the sins of darkness and hell and death. Defeating the power of death, which is Satan's greatest weapon. Do you hear the chains breaking? 
Do you hear the doors coming open? The ultimate, listen, the ultimate and greatest freedom that Jesus accomplishes is a freedom from our sin and from death. How I long that you would know that. Because, do you know when Jesus was born? An angel came to Joseph and he said, Hey, Joseph, Mary's going to give birth to a baby and uh, you're going to call him by the name of Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. That's what he's come to do. The, the ultimate, you might think that the ultimate thing against you is, is um, the people against you. Or maybe it's that I'm trapped in some prison of some description of different kinds. But the ultimate trap of every human being is a horrible and deceitful trap of sin. And we, we don't even know. We think it's so deceptive that we think that we're free when we're right in the middle of it. And Jesus says, I'm coming to set the captives free. Not only do we get free from the kingdom of Satan, but he brings us into the kingdom of God, which is extraordinary. Look, I'm so aware, I'm so aware that my life is short. Um, I'm I'm aware that my, I'm, Growing old and so are you. And, and life is short. While I've got breath in my body, I want to proclaim this truth. Because one day, I, I go to funerals. I go to funerals quite a lot. And I grieve in my heart when I hear at that funeral that people, all they've loved is this world. Because there's no freedom there. And there's no hope there. It grieves me. But I don't care what happens to you or me. If we have got faith in this living one, in Christ, and if he has touched your life and mine, it doesn't matter what happens in this world. We're free. You can be pressed. I, when I was in Indonesia, I was told of this guy who was from a certain part of Indonesia, a strongly Muslim place in Indonesia. He came to faith. And he was very, very bold amongst the Muslims about his faith in Christ. They beat him. They said, you stop talking about Christ. In the end, end, he wouldn't stop talking about Christ. They put him in a crate this big, stripped him naked, urinated on him and everything, and put him in prison and said, you stop speaking about Christ. He would not. Eventually, they put him in prison and beat him terribly. But somehow he won the favour of the highest guy in the prison and the highest guy in the prison gave him a job within the prison and he went from place to place to place speaking of Christ to the prisoners in Indonesia. And when he got out, he went round. There was 31 baptisms, if I remember the story right. And when he got out of prison, he went to each one of those and said, are you still following Now, this guy was in prison and you'd say has got the most terrible restrictions on him of all, but he was free. 
Oh, yes, he was. Freer than anyone in the most beautiful house in the country. He was free. And Christ is calling us to a kind of freedom that we cannot know except through him. It is a true freedom, a liberation, a hope. You trapped, you trapped in your own sin. I want you to know I'm doing war every day to trust in Christ and to know the freedom that he gives. I long for a world where many more people are knowing the freedom to walk, to walk out, to hope in the Lord. If this is not your experience, then this is what I'm saying to you. Cry out to him. His power is extraordinary. His love is unbelievable. His faithfulness is unbreakable. Cry out to this one. He is faithful and he will do it to anyone that comes to him. In humbleness, he comes to the poor, not to the stuck up, but to the poor and the broken. Cry out to him. Let me pray and we'll sing. Dear Father, please, Lord, show us this one that you sent, this, this Jesus. And uh, Lord, may we know what it is to be in the kingdom, the kingdom of light, out of that horrible dark castle of sin and death and walk into the freedom of your kingdom, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.